this next story is really interesting because it's been talked about quite a bit of late in Ottawa. So Radio Canada, French CBC, did a story late last week um, about McKinsey. Now, they're a major consulting firm, massive. They have, you know, they do work all over the world. They work with all kinds of folks, all kinds of governments. They're really a major, major company. But they've done a lot of business with the Trudeau government. Um, how much? Well, according to reports, the firm earned $2.2 million in federal government work when Stephen Harper's conservatives were in power between 2006 and 2015. Since then, that number is more like $66 million in the last seven years under the Liberals. Now, by government spending standards, that is an enormous, but it's a lot of money, after all. And opposition MPs have now voted to launch a committee investigation into this relationship. They want to know more about what's going on here. Why is this one firm, McKinsey, even though they're massive, getting so much work from this government? What are they doing? What's it for? Don't we have a federal civil service? Here's Pierre Polyev yesterday, the opposition leader, explaining what it is he'd like to know. So we want to know what all this money was for. We also want to know about the outsized influence of this company in the operation of our government and our democracy. Well, the Prime Minister responded to questions about it today. He says Procurement Minister Helena Jacek and Treasury Board President Mona Fortier will be looking into those contracts after that Radio Canada report. Um, that report also mentioned civil servants being unhappy with some of these, uh, some of the work that McKinsey's doing, or at least um, some of the recommendations that are being made. The bigger problem here, though, isn't just this particular uh, situation. It really is because all governments use consultants to some extent, right? Um, they are, they do essential work at times. Other times, you know, I, I, from what I know and what I've seen, companies use them as, a, managers use them as a crutch. They essentially bring them in to justify decisions they need justification for. Sometimes that's required. But we have a federal bureaucracy. In fact, that federal bureaucracy is also growing uh, significantly. Their wage bills up 50% in the last seven years. So we have more civil servants than we ever have before. And we have more consultants doing consultancy work than we ever have before. And it feels like we're spending more money on all of it. Um, it's been called, you know, a consultocracy is a bit of the issue. And that is part of the real problem here. Why do we have a whole group, like a third, a third pillar here? You know, we have politicians, we have the bureaucrats, the civil servants. That's how it's supposed to work. They're all accountable to us, ultimately, we believe. Um, so where do the consultants come in and why are there so many of them being used? Why? Who are they? And, and do we know enough about what the work is, what the work that there is, what they're doing, and whether it's worth the money that's being spent on it? Someone who spent a lot of time looking into this is investigative freelance journalist Justin Ling. He's author of The Bug-Eyed and Shameless Newsletter, and he joins me now. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you've looked into this. I mean, McKinsey are certainly not the only consulting firm out there, but they seem to have developed a very close relationship with this government. Uh, what did you find? Yeah, I, I mean, we've been increasingly aware of the role that consultants play in our government over the last decade or so. It was Stephen Harper who first sort of pioneered the use of consultants for everything. Consulting has has had a role in shaping all manners of our government, from the way we build health systems to basically every major IT systems to how much certain people at Crown Corporations get paid. I mean, consultants are increasingly called in 
to advise on every manner. But it's been the Trudeau government that has exploded the use of these third-party firms, and in particular, McKinsey Company. And you know that's particularly not interesting because McKinsey um, increasingly one of the world's most popular consulting firms, but it's also one of the most controversial. It has had a hand in helping get America addicted to the painkiller and uh, opioid oxycotton. It has worked hand in glove uh, with the communist regime in China, including, uh, according to some documents, having a hand in uh, helping develop the system of, of sort of detention and slavery that has targeted the Uyghur minority in Xinjiang. They have worked with uh, Russian oligarchs. They have, you know, consulted for the Immigration Customs Enforcement Agency in the U.S., helping manage their child detention system. So this is a consulting firm that, according to many who are, you know, very ardent watchers of this company, they are a consulting firm that will consult for anybody, for anything, uh, and are in some cases willing to play both sides of the fence, both government and private industry countries that are technically opposed to one another, McKinsey is willing to do it. So there are a lot of questions to be asked about exactly what role McKinsey plays in the Canadian government and why the Canadian government is so adamant about giving them so much money. You know, just how much money have we given them compared to what uh, what was being given them under Stephen Harper? I gather it's been quite the jump. There is very few contracts that went to McKinsey and company under the Harvard government, uh, a handful here and there. Since the Trudeau government took over, we're talking about somewhere in the range to from, from 65 to about 85 million dollars over the past eight years which might not sound like a massive amount of money uh, in the government space but these are some pretty hefty contracts and there's a lot of signs that this is going to continue growing at a potentially exponential pace McKinsey has been basically listed as one of the prime consulting firms in Ottawa and I think there's good reason to think they may become the biggest consulting firm for the Canadian government in the next couple of years. And just how competitive are these contracts? Because I gather from your writing and, and others that uh, a lot of these were not put out to tender. That's right. Some of them were not competitive at all. Some of them were sole sourced. And in some cases, you saw a process where McKinsey uh, won a competition, uh, beating out a, a handful of other big consulting firms, but then uh, would pursue the contract for a few years and then get a sole source re-up or a new contract that would keep them working for that agency into the foreseeable future. In some cases, certainly in the US, we've had uh, reports, uh, some investigations, some audits that have suggested that governments actually rig bids for McKinsey. Well, they will often take McKinsey, even though they are one of, if not the most expensive option, because they have been you know, basically coached into doing so by this consulting firm or because they're obsessed with hiring McKinsey. And there's a whole bunch of reasons for that. Uh, but there's good reason to think that part of it is self-interest. McKinsey is notorious for hiring functionaries, civil servants, bureaucrats, and regulators straight out of their government jobs after those contracts get awarded. Uh, and in some cases, I have found uh, in the Canadian public service, you do have former McKinsey uh, alumni who go on to work for government departments that then hire McKinsey. So there is certainly a veneer of competition, but in some cases, um, it, it is it is much less realistically competitive and capitalist than you might expect in the scenario. And one of the concerns here, I would imagine, is just transparency, right? I don't think anyone's accusing McKinsey in Canada of doing anything wrong, but it certainly could use a little sunlight. Well, you know, in France right now, there's an ongoing investigation that is basically alleging 
Macron government, Emmanuel Macron, the president, uh, his ties to McKinsey are so deep that he is basically sending business their way, rigging the system in favor of McKinsey, using them in some cases for his political party at the same time he's using them for his government, in some cases using them to replace the public service in France with McKinsey. And there's an ongoing investigation uh, alleging everything from tax evasion to fraud to who knows what else, potentially illegal campaign contributions. So, you know, there is reason to think that McKinsey uses its political leverage in, in sometimes you know, inappropriate ways. Here in Canada, McKinsey's for, former global managing partner, Dominic Barton, is a close advisor to the prime minister and has served on a blue chip committee even while he was still working at McKinsey. He later uh, was appointed as ambassador to China, a major McKinsey client. So th there are actual conflict of interest questions here that need asking. But, but you're quite right that the prime issue here is a question of transparency. There was never a debate in the House of Commons. There was never an election campaign that talked about this. There was never a, you know, a question asked to the country, are you comfortable with this level of government operations being outsourced? Much of this had been done behind closed doors. The contracts we're talking about have rarely been published in any way, shape, or form. If I want to, for example, see how the F-35 procurement process went, I can go and pull up all of those solicitation documents. I mean, not all of them, but a bunch of public-facing ones. I can look at what the uh, Department of Defense was asking of contractors. I can see some of the proposals that were sent in by the various bidders. I can see the process that went there. You do not see any of that when it comes to McKinsey. In fact, many of the documents that McKinsey files to the government are marked with a little clause at the bottom that says exempt from the Access to Information Act, which means that I, as a journalist, can't even request those documents. Now, there's good reason to think that that's not even legal under the Access to Information Act. Unfortunately, the true government has also hollowed out that act in such a way that is now basically toothless. So there is a culture of secrecy that is going on here that has presided over the shift towards consultants. It's making it easier to keep decisions out of the public eye, and it's making it easier to send money into the private sector with very little, little oversight or scrutiny. Um, one of the concerns here, Justin, I think is, you know, we have a federal bureaucracy, quite a large one, a growing one at that these days. What exactly are these consultants meant to be doing that the existing public service can't? So, you know, let me give you the the most optimistic, positive read imaginable, because the reality is we're always going to need third party consultants in some way, shape or form. Right. There will be circumstances where there is not the expertise inside the civil, civil service. They don't understand the information technology at play and, and we can't expect them to. Perhaps it has to do with, you know, an overseas market. You know, I, I wouldn't expect uh, the average employee of Economic Development Canada to understand what the agricultural sector of Bhutan looks like. So there's a lot of reasons why you might need a consultant. In some cases, you might want to figure out what's wrong with the civil service. What's wrong with the bureaucracy? Is there a culture shift that needs to happen? Is there a toxicity inside the public service that's at play? These are all good reasons to go outside and in a limited and, and, and you know short-term way, bring in outside help. The hope in doing all of that is that those outside consultants can improve the capacity internally, not, as we're currently seeing, create a long-term dependency 
on their consulting. Now, what's actually happening or, or what's the risk of what could happen here? I think you run the risk of creating what is essentially a shadow bureaucracy, a group of, of third party, um, you know, private employees who are increasingly taking over the work of the public sector, which I don't think is actually good long term. I think you run the risk of, of laundering advice and wasting money, right? I know for a fact that that both civil servants and political staff feel like they have to go out to these third-party consultants in order for something to get approved. There's a feeling, like for bureaucrats anyway, that political staff don't trust them. They don't like them. They don't like their opinion. They don't like their analysis. So if they want to get something approved, they need to go to McKinsey or KPMG or whoever and say, can you write a report about this thing? And the report may end up saying the exact same thing the civil servants were saying all along, but it takes that stamp from a third party, from a private company in order for a minister staff to finally say, okay, good plan, let's do it. Um, you know, that is, is, is a functional, you know, structural problem that can't be put covered in band-aids forever. Um, you know, there's also a real risk here that, that third-party consultants are doing the work um, that both civil servants don't want to do and also that shouldn't be done. In the U.S., um, McKinsey was brought on to slash costs for the immigration detention system. In the process, it may have led um, to some of the uh, egregious scenes you saw during the Trump administration of families, children being stuck in, in freezing cold detention facilities, malnourished, separated uh, from each other, you know, that at least in some part is the result of third party companies coming in, having no accountability and, and delivering what is basically a spreadsheet that says, here's how you can cut costs, right? That's not how our government is supposed to work. When you add, when you wedge in this third party consulting class, who are they accountable to? How can we hold their feet to the fire, right? There's never really any real consequences. Yeah, one of the things I found in my experience was consultants often know how to bridge the divide between the political class and the bureaucracy. That's their gift. That's what they do. They speak the language politicians want to hear at the same time, understanding how the bureaucracy works, often because they're former bureaucrats or politicians mm -hmm. themselves, right? It's quite a it's quite a canny, a canny uh, card trick that they pull. Um, this um, The politicization of it, obviously, we've seen the opposition parties step out to say, we're going to look into this. Uh, do you have any expectations that any good will come of that? Truth be told, I don't think so, because to be honest with you, any government is going to do this. Um, you've seen the U.S. government, both Biden and Trump. You've seen Macron. You've seen the U.K. government. You've seen South Africa. China. Every single government around the world right now is growing increasingly reliant on companies like McKinsey and in particular McKinsey. I mean, you know, it totally out of control slush fund spending in the mid 90s and early 2000s in successive governments eventually gave us the sponsorship scandal. And it took that scandal for us to finally come together and say, OK, we need real rules here on how lobbying happens, on how money gets spent. And it led to real accountability, real transparency uh, and real scrutiny. I don't think we're going to get that here until something really bad happens, until some sort of scandal emerges. And even then, the Trudeau government has a miserable track record of actually improving transparency and accountability. They have consistently said nice things and skirted the basic reform measures that are necessary in this country to make sure that our money is being well spent, to make sure journalists, the media, academics, activists can actually hold the governments to account. 
and, and to basically create an openness standard. So I, I think the, the opposition are going to say a bunch of nice things. I th- think you've already heard Pierre Polyev try and link McKinsey to everything from the Arrive Can app to, to mentioning, you know, liberal insiders and friends were getting government credit. I think he's trying to go wide with this and make it a generally Justin Trudeau problem instead of being a government problem. Uh, and, and truth be told, I think if Pierre Polyev becomes prime minister, we'll probably see an increased reliance on consultants because he's talking uh, about reducing government costs, which usually means laying people off, which means more consultants. So I'm, I'm skeptical that anyone here is being terribly earnest but I think it's time we kind of stood up and say, you know, we need some adults in the room to oversee how this is happening because a lot of people are getting paid a lot of money and we're not seeing better results. Whether you're looking at the passport lines, whether you're looking at the situation at our airports, which by the way, McKinsey had a hand in consulting on, uh, whether you're looking at the state of our health system, whether you're looking at the state of our, or, you know, our federal communications, no matter what you're looking at, things aren't working. Pierre Polyev is very right when he talks about that. Things are breaking down and I don't think McKinsey is helping. No, and that transparent, that lack of transparency is probably no doubt on the advice of some well-paid consultants uh, to this current government. Justin Ling, as always, thank you for your time. Thanks for having me.